We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the NBA Front Office Show. I'm Trevor Lane. You can find me on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane over on Instagram at Trevor Lane NBA. Joined by Keith Smith at Keith Smith NBA on the Twitter machine. It is All-Star Weekend, and so we decided heading into the weekends, things are pretty quiet around the NBA, which is normal this time of year, we'd open up the mailbag. We'd throw it out to you guys and see what kind of questions you wanted us to address on the show. We got a lot of responses, some of them pretty funny, some interesting ones, some really good questions as well, and we're going to dive into a few of them that we picked out. Uh, Keith, I, I was impressed just by the sheer volume of responses that we got to this, considering we threw it out there like, an hour or so before we started this, this show. Yeah, I was too. And, you know, so shout out to people for jumping in and, uh, you know, hopefully we'll get to your questions about be forewarned there as the nature is with a Celtics guy and a Lakers guy. There's a lot of Boston and LA questions. We're not going to answer all of those just cause we're, we're, we're trying to be a little bit more general here. Um, if you want our thoughts on the Celtics and Lakers, you probably know by now where to find them uh, from from the two of us. But there, there's a couple of those that we'll get into as well. So let, let's get going. Oh, I, I do have to mention this. Oh. So late last night, yeah. I was sitting there and I was looking at, do I want to go? Because when we when I, I changed some, some things in my system and I deleted our intro. Now I can always go back and just get it off of one of our previous. It's not a big deal. I deleted it and I knew, mm-hmm. okay, I can go grab it if I need to. Um, but I haven't been putting it on our videos. And so I put up a poll here on our YouTube channel late last night, asking people, should we build a new intro? Should I go get the old intro that we had been using? Some people liked it. Some people didn't and put that back Mm -hmm. in, or should we just go with the cold open that we have been just to start the show instantly? And that is winning right now. 670 people have voted on this thing just on YouTube (laughs) and no intro at all is winning the poll. All right. So there you go. I mean, I kind of always liked the cold open on like the office, mm-hmm. but the, the, that was me that that often was the funniest part of that show. Like just the cold opens. I, I imagine somebody did like a super cut of all the office cold mm-hmm. opens, especially the early ones when it was Jim pranks on Dwight. <laughs> yes. Like those are so good. My all time favorite one though is Kevin in the chili. Oh like, yeah. That's my, that is my favorite yep. open ever. Anytime I come across that episode, I am just almost in tears laughing at it. But yeah. So I, yeah, I mean, I, I, all right. If people want the cold open, we'll, we'll, we'll it's, it's the we'll, easiest we'll thing see. for me to do. So <laughs> I'm not yeah. going to complain. Hey. Um, 
I I think if I had to throw this in here, just because this is kind of an ask me anything type type show, my favorite cold open is the Bears beats Battlestar Galactica yes, Jim impersonating one white one. That that one's the the top of my list. Another good one. <laughs> We're just gonna talk about the rank the office cold opens <laughs> episode. Um, I like the one where where Jim, it, it's kind of Marvel related because it's um uh, he he comes into the MCU, but he's uh, they have their friend, the their Asian friend from the Ant Man movies. Oh yes, um, yep. B Jim. Yep, 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 that's right. <laughs> yes, that one is fantastic. <laughs> I think that is hilarious. What does he um, say? And, and he they, says good on you for not characters. noticing race or, or something like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it so much. Oh, <laughs> man. That was a good one. Okay. Um, welcome to the NBA office show. <laughs> yeah, that's it. No, I like it. Well done. Yeah. Quite, quite well done. Yeah, then there. All right. Let's, let's actually get into some of the questions and comments that we had. I threw it out there on my Instagram at Trevor Lane NBA. Keith, you put it out there on Twitter at Keith Smith. Mm-hmm. NBA, uh, why don't we just kind of bounce around and uh, and you start because I think that, that you've got a few more questions than I do. Sure, this one's from Rob Fitz at rfitz901 on Twitter. Of the Eastern Conference contenders, which do you have the most confidence in for a finals run and which is most likely to lose in the first round? I, I liked the question because it wasn't just the standard, who do uh-huh. you think might win the East? There was also which is most likely to lose in the first round. So, um for me, most confidence in is the Bucks. Mm-hmm. I, I just believe in them still the most. It's it's not overwhelmingly so. Like I haven't put kind of percentages out of a hundred on it or anything like that. But but they they're the team I feel best about winning the East. Um, but it's not. It's it's probably if I had to think about it, it's probably maybe in the thirty percent range um, compared to all the rest of the teams in the conference. I I agree. I I mean, that's my honest answer. I want to pick somebody different than what you picked, but my honest <laughs> answer is the Bucs as well, especially from having seen them recently, having them see them play the Lakers. When when they really lock in and they decide what they're going to do on the offensive end, they start pinging the ball around. They recognize the other team's mistakes very quickly. They exploit those mistakes. That's key in the playoffs that you're able to capitalize on those big moments, and, and they do that very, very well. So I, I have the Bucs. And they have Giannis. What's that? <laughs> And, and, and they've which which tends to you know that helps just a little bit, but um, they are right now sitting in the five seed. But realistically, it's a, it's a three way tie essentially. I mean, in terms of the the amount of games back for the three four five spot, it's so compact in the Eastern Conference. I'm gonna also say the Bucks. I'm curious though, is the is the East a top five, or have your Celtics played so well recently that now they could maybe give somebody some trouble? They're they're sitting at the six seed right now. Is there a tear break after five still? I don't think so because I think the the part of what says that to me is also uh-huh. the Nets are sitting down there at eight, and I still I mean it's still the Nets right? It's still Kevin Durant. If anything happens and Kyrie mm-hmm. can play every game, like that becomes you know different if they can get Simmons incorporated and figure that out. I mean they're still going to make a lot of. It's kind of like we've talked about in the West. You don't want to see the mm-hmm. LA teams sitting there at the back. You don't want to see KD across from you in a seven game series to open. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's really any of the top eight. Yeah. You, you don't have to work overly hard. The team I think is most likely of this group though, to lose in the first round. I mm-hmm. hate to do this because they've been the I fun know story going. all year, mm-hmm. but it's Cleveland, right? I, I don't know how you pick anybody, but Cleveland, I, but other than the fact that they, we thought they'd be bad, my real kind of reasoning on it is I just don't know that they're going to be able to create enough yeah. offense. I, I believe their defense will be pretty good. 
um, throughout the course of of the the playoffs. I think that'll hold firm. I just worry where are they going to go for offense late in games when things really tighten up and it gets close and it's, you know, the last five minutes, that's a lot of pressure on Darius Garland and Karis LeVert because the, the, the playoffs often, um, even the you know, most well-oiled of offensive machines, turns into your star players have to make plays. This is why Utah mm-hmm. has failed in the playoffs often. People focus on the whole Gobert gets played off the floor stuff, which he actually doesn't. That doesn't actually happen. It's their offense goes south because they, they 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 struggle to create offense. So that's that's my worry for Cleveland. That's why I picked that. Great example with the Jazz. Their offense is a pain in the butt to deal with in the regular season. But when you have a seven-game series yep. to lock into exactly what they are doing, that's when the wheels start to fall off for Utah historically. Um, I, I will say I, I also picked the Cavs for this question. And it's, it's an age thing. They're a younger team. They don't have as much experience as some yep. of these other squads. And historically in the NBA playoffs, young teams, they have to take their lumps for a little bit before they finally get that, that breakthrough. Cause let's face it. Playoff games can sometimes come down to one or two moments. Gosh, I sound like Colossus from Deadpool. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> four or five <laughs> moments. Um, and that's, that's all it takes. Uh, yeah. That, so that's, um, that's kind of what the playoffs come down to. And sometimes younger teams are, are not able to, to execute in, in those big moments. I, and I hope that's not the case, but I'll give you even a, a simpler answer though. It may end up being, if it's not the Cavs, it may end up being whoever draws the Nets in round one. That that might end up being the answer. Yeah. That, that could wind up, you know, if the Nets wind up seven and it's the Bulls at the two seed, maybe it's the Bulls. I mean, that's that could be it because a healthy Nets team can be very, very, very good with, of course, that big if, if the Nets are healthy. Yeah, completely agree. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be pretty tight. Okay, let's let's get on. I'm going to pull in into my uh, Instagram responses here uh, or questions here. I've got. Uh, let's go. All right, let, let's go with this one. Question is from Z Rana: What player would you draft first overall if you're starting a franchise? So let's. I I'm, there's a few different ways you can approach this, but let's pretend it's. Mm-hmm. The NBA is all the teams are dissolved and you become the GM of whatever team you want. And that team gets the number one pick and you get to pick from any of the players out there. Every player is, a, is in the draft. Who are you taking to start a franchise today? Yeah, for me, it's Giannis. He, he's, you know, he's only 27. He'll be 28 at the at the beginning-ish of next year should still have plenty of years left to be really really good he's playing at an mvp level uh does not come with the health concerns of a couple of the other guys i would have considered and he's also proven you know that he can be a you know an mvp and an absolutely dominant player so it's Giannis for me and it's i'll be completely honest it's not particularly close yeah uh, once again we agree i would go Giannis. i think the other guy i would give consideration to is luca um, the age being yep. a factor there, but, um, but yeah, overall you got to go Giannis can't go wrong there. Yep. All right. Let's keep it with Luca. Cause cause we, we got an interesting, uh, Luca mm-hmm. question. What type of star player do you think fits next to Luca Doncic given his unprecedented mm-hmm. ball dominance and reluctance to play without the ball in his hands? Um, before I answer, I'll push back a little bit on the second half of that. 
don't know how reluctant he is. I just think it's been they've needed him to have the ball a lot uh, throughout the, the early part of his career. So I, I'm not going to say that um, unprecedented ball dominance. Uh, James Harden in Houston, maybe. That was, you know, uh, pr- pretty similar. But to answer the question, I think you it's got to be somebody who can shoot, um, somebody who can hit spot-up shots. Um, so that that's, you know, a huge importance, but I think you also want somebody who can do something as a creator just to lighten the load on him and make things a little bit easier. I would that now, I mean, you could make this super easy and pick Giannis or Mm -hmm. Jokic or somebody like that. Um, but I I think, you know, when you're just talking about types, that's what I think you want. You want somebody who can knock down shots as a spot up guy when Luca creates, but somebody who he will feel equally comfortable with seeding possessions to, because you know, that possession is going to go somewhere from that player i'd agree I'd, I'd put an emphasis on the defensive end of the floor as well you want somebody sure. who can that's a good one. who can be pretty switchy on that end and can make up for mistakes for a lot of different players can cover a lot of ground uh, a healthy anthony davis is a guy that that i would think of even though even if he's not as quite as much of a creator but let me throw a name out there as far as a future pairing that i think could be really interesting again maybe doesn't check that creator box but what's jaron jackson jr in two years Ooh. Yeah, I mean, I mean he's already great, shots great now, sure. and he's yeah. protecting the rim like crazy for the Memphis Grizzlies. Wouldn't yeah. he be an interesting pair? And I know in some ways you're recreating kind of the, the what Porzingis was ideally going to be in terms of giving you some size and some range and things like that. Just never the defender, exactly. Jackson and that's yeah. that's where I think I think hmm, I like that, that could be interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely could be fun. All right, is it on me? It's on me, right? Yep. It's, it's on, on me. Uh, let's go with this one. This is a, a Lakers-related one. Russell Westbrook possibly staying next season. Now, I, we're assuming he's going to pick up that $47 million player option. Can't see any way around that. I don't see, don't see <laughs> yeah. any. I've had some people floating the idea that they do like the Chris Paul and you sign him for three years, $65 million, whatever. If I was Russ, I'd, I'd have to have an awful lot of faith that they're going to follow through uh, on that plan. And it's not going to be, oh, you declined it yes. for now. See <laughs> <Yeah>. you later. <laughs> just, just kidding. <laughs> Let me take that, take that yeah. back. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Um, so let's assume he picks up that $47 million player option. Is there any way the Lakers can hang on to Malik Monk, who's been very, very good for them this season, been probably one of the better guys on a better minimum deal this year? Yeah, so if we think through that, you then have LeBron, Russ, and AD, and you're already mm-hmm. at the cap, essentially, um, with those three guys. If not exactly at the cap, you might already be there you know, completely with just those three. It's going to be really close. Um, so that limits you with uh, Monk to likely the taxpayer mid-level because you have to also think there's a ton of roster spots you have to fill out then. That's probably going to be not enough is my guess. I, I I think Malik Monk was the oddest of this collection of one-year minimum signings for this Lakers group just because mm-hmm. of his age. But I think it was also a, this is a chance for, if we think back to his thought process over the summer, I can win, I can play a big role, 
that'll put me in top of mind to make yeah. a lot of money next year. And I think he's done all but the the winning part of it out of no circumstances of his own, um, you know, causing, I think it's just, everything's kind of gone wrong for them, but I think it's with Malik Monk, the challenge is going to be, that's really tough. Now, if you move Westbrook or you can do the deal where like you split Westbrook up into a mm-hmm. couple contracts, but maybe one of those contracts doesn't go and you can get to the taxpayer mid-level amount, then you might be in a workable place for Malik Monk. Um, that you would do that. What I would do in that situation is I would give him a shorter deal for the taxpayer mid-level. So that gets him back into free agency sooner. It, but then you'll have bird rights on him. Um, and then, then you can kind of re-sign him after that. Cause that, that would get you in a really good position with Malik Monk. Would you have bird rights? If you, let's say you did a one plus one with him for the taxpayer mid-level mm-hmm. with the player option for the second. Not year. a one plus one. It That's what I was two. thinking. It would have, have to be two to get him there. Yeah. Otherwise you're looking at early bird. You'd get him at early bird, which that maybe that's enough to, to get him there off the taxpayer. You know, let's see, but you know, I think he has been in a season of not bright spots. I think he maybe has been the brightest spot, um, you know, for, for me with this Lakers team outside of, you know, Austin Reeves completely coming out of nowhere to be, you know, a rotation player. Oh yeah. yeah. Malik Monk has been great. And just to give it for people out there who don't watch the Lakers a lot, the Lakers have actually, and I don't think this is an anti Westbrook thing. They've gone to a lot of sets that are using Westbrook off the ball and giving the ball to Mm -hmm. Malik Monk. I mean, think about that. LeBron James on the floor, and they're giving the ball to Malik Monk to initiate offense because he's been that big of a threat for them. So it's been a wrinkle that they've they've turned to recently. He's been been absolutely fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like when they run that inverse pick and roll with him too, where he's Mm -hmm. the screener as a small, but then he pops. Um, because you're not gonna the big's not gonna switch all the way out to him. So I think that works uh well for them. Yeah. So a lot a lot, a lot of stuff there. So yeah. Let's I mean it's it's gonna be hard. Let's let's just leave it at that. If Westbrook is on this team, I don't know how they, they can retain Monk. I think some other team that needs shooting will the mid level exception give him I think more. is what he'll get. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The full mid level, yep. Um, all right. Uh sticking kind of on a uh similar-ish topic. Uh, if John Wall is bought out, where do you think he'll end up? Uh, and then this has a second part to this question that's not basketball related. So we'll come to that after we answer the John Wall part. Okay. So John Wall, if he gets bought out, would it be crazy to think it depends on the health of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard? Like if, if Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are coming back, I could see him winding up on the Clippers. And I don't, I don't think they're going yeah. to. But Maybe. I think that would be an interesting fit for him. Would be would be the Clippers Especially with Norm Powell uh-huh. out now too. Yeah, I think that's that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we could talk. He's already in Miami. He's training there. They've been in the mix. We've heard their name thrown around for Dragic. Yeah. So maybe that that might make some sense as well. But reality is, if he's a veteran minimum, this is what we talk about all the time with contracts, right? If a guy like like people love to hate on Russell Westbrook. If he was on a veteran minimum, how many teams want him? Yeah. Most teams would say, eh, well, we'll give that a shot. No problem. Sure. John Wall on yeah. a veteran minimum. I don't think there would be any shortage of options. There would be a lot of teams out there that would be, be able to say, yeah, we'll take you on. We'll, we'll give this a try and see what you've got. Yeah, I would say you're putting him behind Dragic in the bio point guard pecking order. Um, for for me, for sure, and maybe behind Eric Bledsoe, um, you'd have to really trust that Wall's going to be healthy and able to contribute the whole way down the stretch. But yeah, I mean, if you get intel that he looks pretty good and has played played well, um, yeah. Know what I was thinking about with John Wall? If he gets bought out, this is kind of a longer thing. But if he gets bought out, 
takes a veteran minimum, no matter where he lands, right? And he plays out this year. And where I wonder if he might end up next year, Washington. They don't have any That's point true. guards left. You know, they 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 don't have any. I mean, Dinwiddie was the Westbrook mm-hmm. replacement, who was the Wall replacement. Could he just go back to you know, clearly not on a max or anything like that? It'd be a much uh, you know smaller deal this time around, and you know maybe you know kind of come full circle. Mm. Just kind of kind of looking at that landscape a little bit of where it goes. I also have my doubts. He's, I mean, so far he has said yeah. no. He's not giving it's, up any money. So that, I mean, that see. would be. We talked about how big the Blake Griffin buyout is. To buy out that deal. Yeah. My gosh. I mean, that's that's a lot, a lot, a lot. I mean, he's got ninety-one million between this year and next yeah. year. Now, some of that's already been paid, obviously, mm-hmm. the, over the course of this year. But how much of that does he have to give back for it to even be worth it for mm-hmm. Houston? Probably thirty, right? I, I would say it would be my guess. You, you gotta you know, give up thirty million of that over the next two years. That's that's an awful lot. I don't know that I'd do that if I was a uh, John Wall. You want to do the yeah. second half? Let's of do the this second question? half. Non-basketball. Favorite MCU movie of all time. Ooh. Ooh. You go right, first. I'll go first. Um, the one that has been my knee-jerk reaction, and this is probably the one that if I'm just hanging out, my my wife's gone to bed, kids asleep, and I, I'm working on something, and I just put on, it's typically Thor Ragnarok. Um, I think that is probably the answer. You can argue on a, the grand scale. You can look at um you could look at endgame as of course being the bigger one and all that but but i loved the implementation of the humor in thor ragnarok i think it took a character that in the second thor movie had become kind of flat a little bit stale and it just breathed Mm -hmm. complete new life into into him into the story and it just popped it was it just it worked so great um so i absolutely loved that movie and uh yeah i think that one will sit at the top of my list We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I I mean, this is honestly like the basketball questions are easier. (laughs) I agonize (laughs) over this a lot more. Um, I... Part of me says Spider-Man No Way Home was mm-hmm. so good. Um, and, you know, I know maybe some people still aren't doing theaters and stuff, so I don't want to get into any I kind haven't of spoilers seen it or anything. Still, it's killing yeah, me. Yeah, so you haven't seen it yet. Um, yeah, that's good. I'm looking, um, I'm trying to find it on streaming services, and now I'm finding out, like, oh, no, because it's a Spider-Man, it's going to be on something. It's going to be on, like, stars be, or something. Yeah. I'm like, come on. <laughs> some really? random, yep. Yeah. That might be one where you may just need to buckle down and buy the DVD. To. 
Exactly. Go to go to targeting. Yep. Get it. Um, you know what I'm gonna go with though, and this one for for a couple reasons. One, I love the movie, um, but also it's it's my experience with the movie is um Civil War. Oh yes, I love yep. Civil War. I, I love the storyline. I love the uh, kind of the heroes are pitted against mm-hmm. each other, and I love how much it's set up moving forward in the remaining, uh, you know, part of that, uh, you know, um, phase of the MCU. I also just a funny story. The weekend that movie came out, my family and I went on a Disney mm-hmm. cruise. On the Disney cruises, they have movie theaters on the ship, and they show first run movies that have just recently come out. I saw that movie six times over the course of that uh, week long cruise because multiple times when it was like, all right, we're going to go to the pool or we're going to go do a craft or something like that. I'd be like, all right, I'm going to duck in and watch civil war again. So by the time we were done, like I knew that movie cold, I knew every part of that movie and I, I love that movie. Um, so that, that, that one's special for me. So I, I'll go with a uh, civil war, but it's man, this is like asking me to choose between kids. Like I love all of them. <laughs> I'm, I really don't dislike I'm, any I'm of the same with like, I even like people don't like Captain Marvel. I even liked Captain Marvel. I like, I like that yeah, one. I, like I put that one on yeah. every, every now and then. I even like Thor the Dark World. Mm-hmm. And nobody yeah, likes right? that one. Right. Like even that one's fine. It's not, it's, it's on the lower end. Like, but you know, I like, I even like the Hulk. Uh-huh. Like, you know, yeah. nobody likes that either. So yeah, I'm, uh, I, I like all of them. All right, let's go we're, back. We're going to need to do sometime this next week while we're on this all-star break, we're going to do our MCU show. And that, and that way we'll, we'll okay. just get Perfect. into that. But uh, but while we've got that in our mind, here's a question here. Uh, Sagala said, huge fan. I listened to both your shows. Well, thank you. And said, how did you get into this line of work? So our, oh, so while we're question. talking about superhero movies, Keith, what's our, our origin story? <laughs> uh, do you want to go first? You, I went first on the last one. You go ahead. All right. I, um, so for me, I, it's, clear hopefully that i love basketball and love the nba if not we're doing something wrong here um i was in a point in life where i moved to florida uh and did not have a lot of friends who liked the nba it's it's florida is, is football country particularly college football country i had a handful but i migrated to the real gm message boards and i found my people it was like oh my gosh these people love this like i do uh, there's a there's a subsection of those message boards it's all about trades and transactions where it's talking about real ones talking about fake ones and it was like i can't tell you how many hours per day i spent on those message boards and i was writing insanely long message board posts with a lot of detail uh, that turned into people who worked for the site seeing that and saying hey you know we might have a little bit of work for you to do it was all behind the scenes type stuff and i was doing doing that for a while um then as um various writers that they had had moved on they gave me a shot to write for the site um thankfully those early columns are not always the easiest to find because they probably weren't very good um but it was uh it, it was great my editor over there a guy named chris reyna was so good to me um and then because my niche was the salary cap i started to build a little bit of a presence on twitter of you know hey, this guy knows his stuff about the cap. And and that became like a thing. And that grew from there. And that got me more connections. That put me in touch with Yahoo Sports and a couple other outlets. And I uh, made a ton of friends, uh, both in front offices, on the agent side, on the player side. Um, 
you know, I've had, uh, you know, players hit me up uh, privately when they're pending free agents of, you know, hey, who has, you know, what left for money? It's hard to know, you know, um, we're hearing this and that and those kind of things. It's just been a lot of fun. Um, and then on that, doing that work ultimately landed me with Spot Track and really kind of landed us with starting this show, um, you know, entirely. So it's been, um, it's been fortunate. I, I, for those who don't know, I worked for Disney for nearly 20 years. Um, uh, started with them as an intern while I was in school, stayed all the way through finishing school. And then uh, I left Disney exactly three weeks before the NBA season wow. shut down. Um, so I had three glorious weeks of doing this full time. Uh, and then a, uh, a year of worry and you know trouble. I got furloughed from a couple outlets who, uh, to be completely honest, kept me on far longer than they probably should have considering all the stuff that was going on in the world. But everything came around. Everything has worked out fine now. And um, and I love it. And I love that we have this outlet to talk about things. Um, I love that my uh, where we're right primarily now about the league as a whole spot track is like, Oh, you want to write about super nerdy cap stuff? Please do. You know, yes, we want that. Like I, that's, that's, you know, my, my favorite thing to get into. So yeah. So that's kind of my origin story with this. All right. The sur- super nerdy cap stuff that, that rules the world now. Um, you know what? There's actually, there's a lot of similarities between your background and, and mine in terms of, of kind of how you came into the NBA and all that in terms of the message boards and, and that sort of stuff. So um, I didn't work for Disney though. I was a, I was a teacher. <laughs> so I taught junior high history. I originally intended to teach high school and the first job that opened up was junior high. And next thing you know, I was there. I taught junior high for 13 years. Um, and so I taught history, but I often saw myself as more of a storyteller. I got to talk all about some of the greatest stories in history. And, and I used that as sort of a creative outlet as well, getting to tell kids all about some cool things that, that happened in the past and help them learn and grow from it. It was great. Um, but while I was doing that, I always knew that I needed another creative outlet, that my plan was always, while I'm going to teach, I need something else on the side. Let's face it, teachers, they're, they're underpaid. That's just, that's a fact. Teachers around the country don't make as much as they should. And so I knew I'm going to... Very, 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 very <laughs> it's, underpaid. It's, um, you know what, it's a labor of love and, and similar with this, labor of love, of course, but um, teachers definitely underpaid. And so I said, I'm going to do something on the side. And I said, all right, I'm going to write, I'm going to write novels because I love to write. And so I would I would have this great story idea and I'd sit down and I'd start writing and I'd get into it and I have all this character development and plot and all this kind of stuff. And it would just stall out. Why? Because I was spending my time on basketball message boards, probably reading <laughs> Keith's stuff on real GM, probably reading those, those long posts. And that's when eventually I got to the point where I went, I made a huge mistake. You have to, you have to write what you love. That's what you have to write about. Whatever it is that you love, you have to write about that. And I was spending all my time on basketball rumors and stuff anyway. So I had had a little bit of a writing background. I did some, some writing on uh, actually pro wrestling of all things, which those of you guys know, now one, one of my good <laughs> friends is Chris, the masterpiece masters, which is funny. But back when I was in college, I wrote about pro wrestling. Um, I had written for NBA.com about fantasy basketball. Um, and so I had a little bit of a writing background in terms of sports. Thought, okay, if I'm really going to write sports, the barrier for entry is non-existent now. Let me start up a blog online and just just use it as my sort of blank page and just see if I can write sports. Um, and so I wrote for about six months just to see if I could do it consistently, stick with it, if I could you know improve, get better, all that kind of stuff. 
I was reading a ton of Bill Simmons. So of course my early stuff sounded a lot like Bill Simmons. Oh my God. So much right? of mine. Too. And that was all yep. of us, all of us who are from this, <laughs> that generation, our, our age. Like we, it, we yep. invariably wound up sounding like, sounded like Mark Stein for a little bit. Then it sounded like Bill Simmons, but eventually <laughs> I found my voice, um, used that as a portfolio to go get picked up by, by one site. And next thing I was getting paid for what I was writing. Eventually that led to an offer from Lakers nation to join them. I was getting paid to write one article per week for them. And that eventually grew and grew. And I just tried to always be that guy that if there was something that was needed, I raised my hand and said, I will do that, whether it was grunt work or whatever. Um, and eventually that led to a podcast and then video work. And now I don't even really write much anymore. I mostly do <laughs> videos and video and audio work for, for them. And so that's that's how I got to to this point here. Keith and I met years ago he was on a podcast with me and we uh were talking about cap stuff and we've stayed in touch ever since and um and then we decided to get this iteration of the front office show going and here we are back to present day absolutely yep all right we're semi-related questions since we've both been doing this mm -hmm. for a little bit how different difficult is it to cover excuse me to cover the nba during covid than the seasons before um I'll kind of answer mm -hmm. this because I think we might both have slightly different perspectives on this, um, but also similar. Uh, neither one of us live where the teams we cover are. Mm -hmm. um, so that's that's part of it um, initially and in that that can be um, at times I think we have uh, gotten really good at figuring out how to do that uh, without being in the market. Um, but we also have both been in NBA markets. So um, the different part is the access has uh -huh. changed. Um, it used to be I would go to Orlando Magic practices, games, shoot-arounds when the other team was in town. Um, because it's Orlando, it's warm, it's nice. Teams, if they could come in a day early, uh, often they would travel here a day early, um, sometimes even bring the family on that trip. And it would be really great to be around people. And that was the that part of it was easier. Because you could just talk to players, you could really form and build that relationship. That's changed now. Now everything is done podium mm -hmm. style, um, where it's the, they're up on a podium, and if you're there in person, you're you're further away from them, um, and it's just different. It's just changed. It's just become a different thing um, than it used to be. So that's that's the different part of it. It's um, I think for I can only speak for myself with this because I was so used to being further away from the team I was covering anyway, it wasn't as big of an adjustment for me as the guys who were day to day, they were right there with the team. And I mean, when I say right there, like practices yeah. starting or ending, you're right there. You're right there with them. Players generally get to know you. They get to know a little bit about you. Like we used to joke with Nikola Vucevic when he was with the magic, we would sometimes go in and we would talk about star Wars. Like when the new trilogy was being released, we'd have a, you know, 10 minute conversation about that before we even got to any basketball stuff. Um, and that was just cause you knew he liked it. He knew we liked it and that would be the conversation. So it, it, it just, that part of it has changed very much. So now it's a lot more, um, I find it to be far more transactional in nature as far as, you're going to ask questions. I'm going to give you answers and off we go. Then more conversational and personal. It's just become slightly different. Yeah, that's that's similar. And kind of let the cat out of the bag there for me, Keith, about, uh, you know, not being in my market, but <laughs> but in any in any. Sorry. Event, um, yeah, I've always been a little bit removed from the team. Fortunately for Lakers Nation, I can I can go back to L.A. whenever 
whenever whenever need yeah. whenever I'm I'm required to be there, um, I can do that. Um, but it it certainly has changed things. In some ways, it's easier because now it's just more common for people to be in press conferences on Zoom. Um, and things yeah. like that. So that's yeah. actually helped to a degree. Like that access has been a little bit easier to come by. Um, Big time. But that's actually an mm-hmm. improvement, I think, for a lot of people. Like I know you have the same thing we have. We have people with Celtics blog who aren't there. Like we've got a writer who's in mm-hmm. England and he does some of our best work, um, you know, because he's been just tells you, you know, you can do this from anywhere now. So sorry, I jumped in there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that has changed. So, but the downside is, like you said, it's more impersonal. And so the, when, I, when I saw yes. this question, the first thing I thought of is there's some parts of the story that you would never get before. So for example, years ago, um, I'm in the Lakers locker room and I see Evita Zubats sitting. This is a uh, pregame. Evita Zubats is sitting over by himself. Um, and sometimes guys, this was always kind of the routine when you're in the locker room. If a player's by themselves, a player's not, they don't look like they're busy or whatever. Some guys, you can ask them, it's not, you don't go up to them, you just put a tape recorder in their face and start asking questions. No. You say, hey, would you mind if I ask? And if guys say no, okay, fine. There's some guys who, before a game, yep. they mentally, they want to get locked into the game. But he was he was cool with that. He said, oh yeah, come, come sit down. And at the time, he wasn't getting a lot of minutes for the Lakers or anything like that. But I sat down and I talked to him, asked him a few generic questions or whatever. Um, and I got to his off-season training and what he had been doing over the off-season and he mentioned his family and I and uh, and having spending some time in L.A. during the summer and training and not getting to see his family. And I asked him a follow up and I said something to the effect of, again, it was years ago, something to the effect of how, how do you feel about that? Like not, you know, not getting to see your family as much as possible. And you could see the the emotion on his face and the frustration. And he talked about how yeah. upset he was that. Uh, that the Lakers had asked him to stay in LA and not go back home for the summer and to continue training because he was going to get this, this big role next, the next season. And then he didn't, he stayed and he did all the training, didn't spend time with his family, didn't get to see them during the off season. And then there, there it is. He's on the bench and he's not getting, and he's not getting minutes. He's playing what every few games or something like that. And that, yeah. that was a detail that I'm like, I would have never gotten that in a formal press yep. conference setting. And then it made all the more sense later on when the Lakers traded him to the Clippers, why he expressed kind of that jubilation to be away. Like, I think that always kind of stayed with him that, hey, the team asked me to do this. I sacrificed all this family time. And, you know, but that's just an example of the kind of stuff that you don't get in today's setting that you would get years ago. Yeah, I think that's a good one, too. I, I think... The change to being more of a virtual mm-hmm. job, in a sense, is it allows us to not have to be there mm-hmm. anymore. I think if it was the way it was, we would both be there, mm-hmm. right? We'd be in the market all the time, every single day, and you know, doing the stuff we do. And and I think we're also both fortunate to be with outlets when we need to be there. We're there. Yeah. yeah when we need to be, uh, you know, there if it's uh, like, I know we're already planning, you know, hopefully if we you know, get a little playoff run, all right, you know, you want to do the playoffs and do you want to 
go travel to wherever the team's going to be and those kind of things where we're very fortunate to have the support to um have people who want us at yes. summer league yep. you know to do do what we do which is really cool and that'll hopefully be a thing this oh, year as a you know done knock on wood the world is a you know slowly but surely maybe getting back to normal, <laughs> it's not but, it's not 2027 yeah, yet it's, keith so Based on your timeline, everything's done by then anyway. So. Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah, so we've got to get at least one one or two more summer league trips. In. All right, let's yeah. get in a couple more here. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll move back towards the uh, basketball side of questions. So uh, this was an interesting one. It just kind of a process type thing. Um, why don't we see more teams use waiver claims for players released on minimum contracts as opposed to having the player choose? It's a fair question. Because generally, unless you're hard capped, um, anybody can claim someone on a minimum contract. Um, if you're hard capped and you're above the hard cap, clearly you cannot. Um, but if you're not, I think why you don't is nobody at this point, and I assume this mm -hmm. is talking about on buyout time, nobody wants to bring in a player yes. who doesn't want to be there, right? Because then you don't want to upset the Apple cart you know, with two months to go in the regular season before playoffs. It, does, it almost doesn't matter how good that player is because the reality is they're never going to be that good that it's worth having an unhappy person in your locker room. So you would much rather know the player wants to be here, they want to be there. Every once in a while, probably about once every five years, you'll see a team kind of snake somebody mm. by claiming a player instead and kind of trying to hold them. Um, so that another team doesn't get them, but that's even pretty rare there too, because you got to remember this is all an interconnected mm -hmm. world where you don't want to upset a player. You really don't want to upset an agent. And then you don't want to necessarily upset another team because you may be less than a couple months away from, Hey, you know, you want to talk about this trade. And now all of a sudden they're like, yeah, cool. When you took that dude from us, who could have been huge for us in a playoff run you don't really want to be there so that that's kind of why you don't see yeah. those things happen. i mean you, you hit everything that i was going to say on that on that answer so I, I don't have a whole lot to add to that just it's a it's the game within a game it's not just can this player help our team it's what does this mean for our relationship with this player what does this mean with our relationship for this agent yeah what is the impression of us around the nba because of we're making this kind of move particularly if it's a veteran player um, that matters too. If you're seen as a team that's preventing a veteran player from getting where they go, where they want to go, um, that can be, those things can have consequences later on down the line that teams usually don't like to, to rock the boat again for somebody who probably isn't going to change things that much for you. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So much of the NBA mm -hmm. is relationship driven more. That's probably the number one that I've learned covering the league that I didn't realize before how much of the league is driven by relationship and relationship related things. Um, okay. Let's do, I think we should, should start to wrap up here, but let's, I've got this one. This one's kind of funny. Yep. Uh, somebody asked for Keith, can you show us the super strong Boston accent? <laughs> All right, you know how I'm going to do this one? I'll, I'll do it. It's probably going to be bad. <laughs> and th thankfully, the uh, <laughs> the family's not here because I was doing it to my daughter on the way home uh, from school today. And she she it was driving her absolutely crazy. But I'll do it in reference of answering a Celtics-related question. So let me, let me uh, find one. So Andrew, he was one of the first ones to respond, I think, to to our, our question here is, all right, you've got to build yourself up here. <laughs> with this, you know. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'm going to throw it. This is going to be extremely exaggerated. So none of my Boston, you know, people get get too angry. Um, but what are the Celtics options with Al Horford behind, beyond this season? Trade, buyout? What are they going to do with him, bro? Where's this going to go? 
So <laughs> I, I can do the whole answer in it if you want to um, with that, but I, I, I'll, I'll, I won't torture anybody's ears the rest of the way. As an aside, my Boston accent comes out when I get super excited, and a few people called it out on yeah. the trade deadline <laughs> show we did when I got really like, oh, my God. Like, that's when it comes out. It comes pouring out of me, Christops. and I can't help it. In general, it's, it's, it's not as strong. What's that? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. It comes out with stuff like that. I start putting ours where they don't belong and, and dropping them off Mark the end of words, but, um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ma, yeah, Marcus Smart, baby. We love Marcus Smart. Um, <laughs> when I do this, he doesn't watch the show, but I channel one of my best friends from home that I grew up with because he is the strongest Boston accent, and he he's he's the the Boston bro. Period. Still, like you know, we're in our early to mid forties, and and he still talks like he did when we were like fifteen. So like it like full on like. If I need to, to go to, I think about him. Um. <laughs> Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm not now going to answer the question <laughs> because I have a piece coming this week at Celtics blog. That's all about Al Horford and the options the Celtics have with him. Um, so I don't want to step on that piece. So just you know, look, look for that. Look for that there. Um, you know, and, and I've got some stuff about what there were, we got a few more questions about what are they, they lining up for this off season, those kind of things. I'm not going to answer those, those, those either, just cause I don't, I, I don't want to step on, on an art article uh, I'm writing. There were a lot of questions about the Celtics off season and Horford and what, what they can do uh, with those guys on there. So, and a lot about the Evan 48 TP, the Evan 48 traded play exception. What are they going to do with that, bro? Now people are going to ask you to do it more often. <laughs> right? Yeah. I don't. Somehow I don't think so. I don't think it's going to happen like that. <laughs> All right. Uh, I've got I've got one um, that we can, that we'll finish with. But I do you have another one that's good that you want to get into before we call it? Um, I don't. I'm trying to look because now people have answered a couple right. different places. And I, and I lost it. Um, we we kind of touched on it. Somebody asked how we uh-huh. we met and started doing this. Um, I came on your uh, podcast. I, I think it was yeah, the one. It was, it was only, only a podcast, podcast still um, for Lakers Nation. Um, yeah, I came on there. I think I want to say it was the. It was very when it was LeBron mm, might go to Lakers. Like I think it was. Yeah, it was pre him signing, but I think it was very early of. Like, where would that go? And then we kept in touch. I think that summer league mm-hmm. maybe um, was when we That's were right. all out there together. Maybe that was after. I can't remember. Um, but we hung out at that summer league and stuff. And we talked about about this. I've had this show in various versions for a while. Um, and it never really was what I fully wanted it to be. And um, I owe, you know, you and for everybody listening, Trevor, all the credit because you came and we're like, Hey, let's restart the show. 
And I think this is what we can do. And I think, you know, there, there's going to be interest in this. And, um, you know, there were times when I was kind of like, eh, I don't know, like, I don't know that I want to take that on. And now I can honestly say this is like one of my favorite, you know, <laughs> Almost said half hours each day. It's never half hour. Because that's true. Um, You know, favorite, Mm -hmm. you know, hour each day is when when we, you know, get to talk about this because we get deep into the stuff I love and I I, I love this stuff. And then, um, you know, credit to you for seeing, you know, there's an audience and people will want this and they're going to go and it's, you know, gone way beyond what I ever expected. So yeah, that's uh you know, that, that question was, I can't even find who asked it now, but people have asked that a handful of times too, in our YouTube comments of, you know, how did a Celtics guy and a you know Lakers guy come together? And that, that was it. And I think, you know, for us, it's, um, it's the teams are one thing, mm-hmm. but we love the game and the league more than, than, than the teams as individuals, um, you know, teams. So I think, think that is, you know, why, um, you know, and I can't tell you how often we'll come on and it's like, we don't even mention either one of the teams. Yeah. Like we try to you know keep the shows pretty, pretty down the level. And, you know, and I saw somebody say that, you know, I hate the Lakers and all that stuff. And, you know, I hate on the Lakers. I tend to think I try to play mm-hmm. it fairly down the line. With this, um, you know, especially on this show, but I mean, yes, yeah, I mean, I grew up for you know twenty years of my life being told, you know, that's a bad place and purple right. and yellow are horrible and you know don't like it. It's gonna come back on occasion, like it's gonna happen. Like I, I can't can't really help it, but you know, it'll, it'll come out there, man. We don't like the Lakers, bro. <laughs> they're, they're terrible. You know, we put seventeen banners up there way before they did, bro. Oh man. Well, I mean, first, first of all, thank, thank you for the, the kind words about, you know, about the show and all that and kind of where we, where we went with it. I, I also had, I had a sense that, that we could take this to, to some place that it could turn into something good. But I, I, even, I've been, been blown away by all the support that we've received. And, um, and I think that this is just going to continue to grow and, and grow it. And I keep thinking, you know, people have called us, we've talked about this on here before, people have called us the best kept secret on in NBA podcasts or, or NBA video, whatever, whatever it is you want to lens you want to view us through. Um, don't make that the, the case. Tell people about this. Tell people yeah, about the show. People. Let yeah. them know that uh, that we're out here. And, uh, and of course, Keith's cap knowledge is absolutely incredible. I I try to play along as best that I can as far as understanding the salary cap and all that. I'm I, I can, nah, I can, I can hang on most stuff, but there's, but the fine details and stuff I rely on Keith, I tend to look at things through a narrative perspective. And so in that way, I think we, we tend to balance each other out pretty well on all of that stuff as well. Um, the final question though, that, that I want to get to, and this is because this meme has been going around now, you saw the Super Bowl commercial with LeBron James talking to the young LeBron James. And so I guess I wanted to leave with, with this question and I've seen all the ones out there saying it's LeBron telling young LeBron if Russell Westbrook calls don't answer <laughs> it's which is which those yeah. are pretty funny um, but but my question if you could go you you hop in the DeLorean let's date ourselves here you hop in the DeLorean you get it up to 88 miles per hour you go back and you talk to yourself at 18 years old what advice are you giving yourself now mm-hmm. go for it earlier don't wait so long if if what you want to do is basketball make it happen you know f- find a way i um i it was harder when i was getting done with school there there weren't i'm not so old that the internet didn't exist but it wasn't as simple as basketball internships and you know a pop a million results um but i could have found one and then i chose chose to go a different direction and 
I have no regrets at all about that. Um, I you know love that you know my my life in Florida led me to to my wife and ultimately our daughter and everything else. But it would just be go go for it earlier. You know, um, you know really invest the time earlier in 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 doing this. Not necessarily right immediately after school, but you know don't don't hold out if if you know um it's just kind of a in general like. Chase your dreams, right? Because it's 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 rarely you're going to be disappointed. At worst, you're going to find out. You know what? That's not really what I wanted to do, and and that's okay too, right? Then you'll really find out what's important. But that that's what I would say. I like you use the word invest, and I thought, gosh, if I had started investing money like when I was like when I was like eighteen, <laughs> well, yeah. and it's compounding, and okay, yeah, yeah. I wish I, obviously wish I'd done that, but yeah. um, yeah, Amazon, bro. <laughs> Go, go back, buy Amazon all the account, buy all the right? stock. If That's... something called Bitcoin comes out, you want to go ahead and buy a lot of yeah. that right when it first comes out, and yeah. then hang on to it for a little while. Yeah. Um, don't go buy a pizza with it, like that one guy infamously did. And now yeah. that pizza is where that coin is worth however much it's worth at this point. Yep. I think it's at like forty thousand <laughs> today. But in any event, um, if I had, had to give myself advice back then, it would be. And in the education field, you'll hear the term, the phrase growth mindset used all the time. Essentially, I I dumb it down to this. Don't be afraid to fail because uh, for a long time I was and that, that yeah. fear of failure would paralyze me and stop me from from doing certain things because um, I always had that that fear within me of, of am I going to be okay? Am I going to be able to, to do this? And if I if I fail at something, how am I going to handle that? How am I going to process that? Am I going to um, financially, am I going to be okay to get through this emotionally while I get through this stuff? And it wasn't until I, I finally, for whatever reason, just hit the point, maybe just maturity wise or whatever, that I realized that failure is a part of it and that you are going to be okay, that you can fail at something and, and still bounce back. And that's when you find out how strong you really are is when you do fail. And I specifically for me, I'm referencing, you know, the great recession from 2008 to 2010, um, things got rough and, and I was okay. And I think it was then that I realized it, things will be okay, even if it doesn't work out exactly like you plan it to. And I think that's what ultimately allowed me to start putting myself out there in terms of writing, in terms of getting out content and, and um, acting on the, the feeling that I had something to say and something to provide specifically in this field. So I, I would say, don't be afraid to fail because that is ultimately what's going to lead you where you want to go. One of my best friends in the world, he watches the show and listens to the podcast version. Daily uh, will know who he is when I say this. He said to me when I was debating, should I leave Disney to make this jump and do basketball all the time? And his his comment back to me was always, hey, if everything doesn't go wrong, you always have a place here with me where you can come and I'll make you a sandwich. You and like, it's mm -hmm. such a simple thing, but it's so true. Like it's, you know, you'll always have a place where you can come and get a sandwich. And that was, you know, that, that was, that was it. I knew, you know, all right, even if this doesn't work, things will go good. And that's also a little piece of advice. Don't burn bridges yeah. when you leave somewhere. It's not worth it. You know, it's, 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 it's never going to be worth it. Even if you hate the place so much, it's just walk away, walk away with the smile mm -hmm. on your face that you're leaving. Like that's, you know, that's it. But yeah, this has been fun. We'll do these more. Maybe we'll do another one next week. Um, you know, if we'll see see how uh, dry the news is here a little bit. But hopefully, you guys had fun with this. There were a lot more questions we did not get to. Um, there, 
there were a lot of Lakers and Celtics questions. Maybe we'll do a Celtics Lakers specific show where we'll pull back um, and just do stuff on them. But yeah, this was a lot of fun. Uh, again, thank you guys for everything, all the following and all that. And I am going to disappear. All right. Gonna go do we'll enjoy that. Thank you everybody for, for joining us here. Like Keith said, it may be a little bit sparse next week for news. I'm fully assuming that we're going to wind up doing an MCU show. So just be on the lookout for that one. All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Make sure you do subscribe right here to the NBA Front Office Show. Don't forget to turn on those notifications as well. Till next time, everybody, stay safe. See ya, and have a great weekend.